Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And, and this, this is the Practical, Practical Guitarist, Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. Hey guys, welcome to the Practical Guitars Podcast, and today we are fueled by Death Wish Coffee. Oh, we most certainly are. Uh, we're partnering with Death Wish on uh, a giveaway that's going to be uh, – full details will be released in the near future. Um, but yeah, man, their coffee is good, isn't it? Oh my gosh, I'm sitting here. Of course, um, you guys are not seeing the video, but I'm going to put this up here in case we ever release this on the YouTube. Here's my Death Wish mug. And, oh, they were so good. Um, I'm drinking the uh, Keurig Death Wish yeah. uh, pods. How, how rich is the Keurig? Is it, like, super strong? No, this is this is not strong coffee, except that it is strong in that uh, we know that it's got the, the caffeine to keep you going. Yeah, I want to apologize to everybody tonight. Um, I'm going to be reading some stuff and all that, and, like, to be honest with you, I'm having kind of a cold issue. I'm sitting here with my pills, uh, my allergy medicine, and my inhaler. So <laughs> we'll yeah. see if we can make it through all this without me uh, having a coughing fit or anything. But uh, yeah, so Death Wish Coffee, um, since we were talking about them already, uh, dark, rich coffee, uh, full-bodied. Full um, I I drink it super strong. I actually like it really strong. That being said, I'm, I'm having to pull back a little bit because it is highly caffeinated. Um but I'm still drinking two cups a morning usually. Uh, I like some lighter coffees too. We'll get into that maybe later. But right now, yeah, we're going to plug Death Wish because uh, their, their product is excellent and it runs the show. So, that's, a, that's affirmative. And uh, I'd like to also say that uh, as far as the Death Wish coffee goes, it's got a good flavor, which means that you know I can finish the whole cup instead of going at the bottom going, eh, this can go in the sink. Yeah, it work, uh, everybody, because I, I actually – make this stuff at work i make you know a whole pot of it oh i've been known to finish off the pot by myself jim but anyway uh, <laughs> i have this little like label that i made for it because people at work are like oh it's highly caffeinated i'm scared of it so the the label has um like the sticker they give out and then it has like a chain letter writing that says you know danger highly caffeinated yep. uh from from alait which is where i work and uh yeah, so we always put that on there, but they, actually, the people have tried it at work. They're like, "No, it actually tastes really good." Like, I understand why you drink it now. I yeah, guess they don't use arabica beans; they use something else. But um, so, <laughs> if you guys remember, if you're a follower of the show, uh, we talked to uh, Nicholas Olson um, via private messenger and uh, read a statement that he had approved on the podcast. Um, now we we felt like we didn't give Jared Dines a fair shake, and we kind of left it open ended as to whether he would want to respond or what whatever. So uh, I did my best to try and get a hold of him. Uh, we got the name of his manager. Actually, no, we got his email address, and his manager responded to us. Um, what I did is I sent him a copy of the statement. I sent him a list of questions, and I basically said, if Jared wants to take the time to answer these, that's great. Uh, you know, or he can come on the show. Um, he opted to, to have his uh, manager answer these questions. Well, or his manager took it upon himself I, either way. Um, and uh, we wanted to go ahead and read the response just so we could make sure that we're being fair and equal to everybody. Uh, so um, the first question. That's right, because have, this is not the DNC or the Republican National Convention. Yeah, we, we, we like is, to give this is uh, equal quality. Yeah, this is like not, what nonprofit radio. Wait, no, 
That's no, that's pretty one. Definitely not profit. This is loss of money. Yeah, this is loss of money radio right here. This is we spend more than we make radio. Uh, Exactly. So the first question was, uh, what reaction do you have to the implosion on Olson's professional life, personal life and the lives of immediate family and friends? And uh, his manager, by the way, is named uh, Tony, uh, Tony Capacci, I believe is his name. It's C-A-P-P-O-C-C-H-I. So if somebody wants to chime in with the proper pronunciation of that, it's fine. Uh, I'll refer to him as Tony. So his response is, uh, it's regrettable that Nick has faced hardship as a result of this whole thing. There is nothing we would have liked more than to be uh, presented with emails and Facebook posts and messages warning us about Mr. Olson. But alas, we were. We, uh, uh, We were not. Wait. He says, but alas, we were. But I'm sure he means we were. So then he says, uh, we ignored the uh, the popular consensus that this guy was not building guitars. Rather, he was reselling them and gave him benefit of the doubt because Mr. Olson himself said he was building the guitar. He even sent us pictures of what we claim, uh, what he claimed were from his shop at, during the build. So it is sad that he may uh, be run out of business. Yeah, that sucks. But it also sucks for anyone he made money off of under false pretense. This is just Carver coming back to him, in my opinion. Uh, the next question we asked him was, uh, were you at all aware of the Chinese co- uh, guitar controversy? Others had come forward with questionable instruments before this uh, surrounding Olson when you agreed to the podcast. If so, did it affect your decision-making on price or anything like that? Um, and actually, he kind of addressed this in the, in the previous answer, but uh, his answer was, uh, we are obviously aware that people use wholesalers like Alibaba to purchase the guitars and that the American market is severely undercut by China. That is relevant in almost every avenue of sales. We are not aware that we were about to be purchasing one. As we stated above, this was sold to us and priced out as a custom build, not a resale. We could have done that on our own had we known that the access to them was so easy. Um, the next question we asked was, according to Olson, he sent you the, uh, the guitar regardless and refunded you the money. Is there a possibility that this guitar might make an appearance on your YouTube channel? Uh, which I at the time I didn't know who I was writing to, and it was Olson amicable in the refund pro- uh, amicable in the refund process. And then uh, Tony actually says I I dealt with Nick personally in this regard. He was very amicable and professional about providing us a four hundred dollar partial refund, basically what he would uh, would have made in profit after shipping. I'm not sure what Jared will do with the guitar if anything. Perhaps a giveaway. Not sure. Stay tuned on the channel to be the first to know. Um. And then I, the next question we asked was, if Olson had acted as a broker instead of a builder, do you think would have been? Do you think things would have been more amicable? He said, one thousand percent, yes. Here's the thing: if he would have been straight up and said, "I'm gonna see if I can make this text larger." Actually, while I'm reading this, okay. Here's the thing: if he would have been straight up and said, "Yo, I can get you this guitar on Alibaba for you," we would, uh, we still would have done it ourselves. If he would have said, "I have a Chinese builder who could make it for you." I can cha- uh, charge a commission. It still would not, ha- or would still would have been on the table. Brokering a third-party transaction is something I've done in the past for some of my businesses. As I told Nick, it's not illegal and it's really not even shady. However, this is not how it was presented to us at all. Probably because he knew we'd uh, have tried to go do it solo and saved a shitload of money. Protecting your source is not uh, is not only the profitable thing; it's a smart thing from a business perspective. Again, the big words to get hung up on are custom build and labor cost, neither of which were necessary expenditures for us uh, if neither of them had happened. Uh, there's two more questions, I believe. Uh, the next question was: Olson himself had told us that he really is sorry for what has happened and that he is willing to own up to uh, to own up to his failure. 
if you could comment on what that means to you personally, your original blog response was fairly scathing, but we expect that you're a pretty reasonable guy. And though Olson uh, clearly made a mess of things in the way in which it uh, which it happened are still debatable, do you feel like Olson's penance is complete? Again, this is Tony, and he says, again, this is just me speaking, not Jared. I don't have any will toward Nick. I had no say in the video going up, but I know we were past the situation. It's something us and our fans laugh about now. We made a joke about it in the things you never say to a guitarist video, which he did, by the way. Um, will we ever uh, be buddy buddy with Nick? Probably not. Will we ever transact business with him? No, but we don't spend a lot of time looking backward in this camp. What's done is done. And then uh, the, the, uh, the last two questions. Uh, it's easy to understand the level of anger after being duped in the way you were. Do you regret anything that was said? Uh, the way anything was handled. And of course, Tony says, no comment on this one. Jared is, in general, a good dude who holds a, a very little grudge. As you can imagine, the video was made uh, in the, uh, made with some heat-of-the-moment passion. Uh, but what was said was based mostly on fact. He has, uh, hasn't expressed any regret to me about it. As I said, our eyes are fixed forward on this matter. And then uh, I said, not as important, but I feel I needed to include – this as we uh, made a kind of offhanded comment in our original statement about fledgling celebrity status. Do uh, do you like being a YouTube celebrity? What do you compare it to? Is it common to use your channel as a way to give builders a boost? And then Tony says the only thing I can come on here is that the shootout or the shout out when you uh, when you have 1.5 million people is a big deal. People pay Jared to shout their products out, so the whole thousand guitar thousand uh, dollars won't uh, get you much. Was factored in when we agreed to pimp his business, and as you mentioned, the photo of the guitar uh, that he commissioned went viral with uh, hundreds of thousands of impressions across dozens of very big name sites. Nick was on his way to really breaking ground, though, and to come out more on the you can't get much for what you're asking. We have a very popular guitar brand that has agreed to make a very special guitar for us in lieu of this event. You'll know more about in the future, and that's all I can say for now. And the last question was really kind of an aside. I asked uh, if there were any projects that he wanted to plug or anything like that. And uh, Tony said that Daddy Rock is Jared's newest project, and you can hear that uh, you can hear that on his YouTube channel. So you know, obviously, go check it out. Um, it's really cool that they wrote back to us, but uh, I'm sure that there's a lot of thoughts and opinions, Jim, about what was uh, said here. Yeah, you I want to comment. I want to make a comment about two of the things that he said. And, I, and first of all, I want to thank um, Tony for getting back to us because obviously they could have done the no comment thing and left that at the camp. But we're musicians and we always have to run our mouths. But the thing is that um, uh, I think that what he did was not only professional, he answered those questions uh, quite well um, and brought a little bit of um, a light to my eyes. Now, I've been actually – I'm a – I'm a subscriber to Jared Dines. So yeah, I, knew, I am as well. Yeah, I knew about this stuff. I'm, I'm a huge fan of his Shred Wars things. Um, he did, like any other channel, he peaked, he valleyed, and then he came up, and then he has kind of leveled off. And most of his videos see more, uh, more people than a small city. The population of a small city, honestly. Right, right. So, And there are as many as 10 million views. Hmm. So... He is correct in that he would say that, yeah, he's reached a lot of people. Um, and you cannot argue with the fact that this went viral, but I, I, I hesitate to say that this went viral as a result of Jared Dines and more as a result of the fact that, now I'm not saying that he wasn't a catalyst. You have to have a catalyst. Because just like a hairdresser in California who becomes famous because she did hair for Cher once, or he did... 
hair for um, uh, Celine Dion. You're not talking about Kim Kardashian, are you? Right, because I had a friend of mine, that's what he did. He he got famous for... um, uh, doing ice sculptures because he did them for Journey on tour, and he and he did the, the Who, and he did a bunch of why these guys have ice sculptures. I have no idea. That was my first question. Ice sculptures? He was like, yeah, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so they could throw them out the window. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But I guess it was a thing. Anyway, um, he had a bunch of pictures and, and really cool stuff, and he worked with me with uh, with me at Verizon. Anyway, getting a little off track there. The point is. Um, uh, he was probably a catalyst, but I think the fact that this thing looked like a tabletop and it looked impossible to play um, really kind of was the reason and the catalyst um, for Guitar World, Guitar Player. I mean, you couldn't go to a site two days before the implosion. You couldn't go to a site and have people um, that were missing this incredibly uh, huge-looking guitar. It- it was almost as bad as the Joe Bonamassa controversy and how quickly that spiraled out of control and was posted everywhere. Exactly. And incredibly enough, it was it was one of those things where I thought to myself, wow, really? Um, and I and I thought, because I've seen Jared, um, I, I'm also a friend of, or I mean, a, um, a fan of Stevie T. Um, you should check out, check out Stevie T, who looks like he's in his teens, but he's 30 years old now. Just did his 30-year-old thing. Um, and uh, Music is Win, Tyler Larson, another yeah. fantastic um, musician and an incredible uh, um, teacher online. He's got his own podcast going now, Music is Win podcast with his wife. Um, and uh, the, the um, uh, these guys have a huge following. They have a gigantic following. Our, our podcasts um, that that we are, we are fans of are probably um, – yeah, they, they pay. They pay like a person. It's less than ten, less than one percent. Oh yeah, actually, these guys are these guys are cool. But they they had YouTube channels for years before the podcast thing became. Oh hot, sure, sure. And and it, we jumped into there. Yeah. Anyway, my biggest thing is here, um, the number of people that saw this were incredible, and had not one guy. And I think that person reached out to us. We were talking to him for a short period of time, right? I can't remember his name. Um, we were messaging back and forth. Let's not bring up names yet, um, because we didn't we didn't talk to the guy and ask if it was okay if we mentioned him. But he was the one yeah. that told us, "Hey, that guy's a phony. He's a big fat phony." I'm doing my best, Family Guy. You remember the Family Guy with the keyboard? He's a phony. He's a big yeah, fat we, phony. We we may still have him yet on the show. Uh, yeah, he's another builder, but he saw the guitar and he immediately went, "Oh, I I know that thing. Like I know I know that that guy and like his work. Like there, there's no way." So. Yep. So, I mean, you know, we want to – we'll drop the controversy right here. We'll just say that we've given equal time to both. Um, one of the things that um, Tony had mentioned was he hadn't been aware. I think it was your question number two, and his response was he hadn't been aware. They were so easy, so readily available. I'm kind of looking forward to seeing who is building and what they build and what it looks like. And you know, yeah, I, I am too. Um, I have a feeling it's going to be somebody like Dean, like a smaller, like tier manufacturer. Yep. Um, that's not, you know, it's not going to be Gibson or Fender. I, I can't imagine that. But no, but you know, even if you know Ibanez or whatever. But see, Ibanez, um, even Chapman <coughs> could have the guitar one off at his at his um, facility in Indonesia for what what Jared just did. 
Only sure, sure. They can say, oh, yeah, we built it. Well, yeah, but you built it in your Indonesian factory. So how does that make you – you know what I mean? I mean – well, custom build. I, I, when you're talking custom build and you're talking one of the big manufacturers, Fender, Ibanez, um, Gibson even, you were talking about the fact that the custom build isn't just one guy or one woman sitting in a shop doing the yeah. work. It is a team of individuals who are working on each part. Yeah, to, to put it in perspective uh, – I would consider my GNL custom built because they're made in the in the factory uh, by hand uh, right. to the spec to the spec that they have they do have an order sheet and you can choose different options. It's kind of like carbon in yeah. that in that regard. Yeah. So and, yeah, I was uh, just gonna say Kiesel, which is carbon. Yeah, it's Kiesel carbon. You can still get the carbon logo on a Kiesel, by the way. Yeah. Uh, well, because and they, <clears throat> I mean, let's face it, that was a family-owned business. That was right. his dad, right? Yeah. Uh, so, but, but the other thing I wanted to add to that is like a lot of people are kind of in the camp of, well, well, it's a Chinese made guitar and like that, like that's some sort of, um, badge of, you know, this sucks. And to be honest with you, to be honest with you, I mean, we all know that depending on what you're buying in China and who made it, like who had the work done, uh, it could probably be a pretty exceptional instrument. Uh, that being said, um, we do kind of have our, our uh, distinct tiers here in the United States about how we think about this stuff. And I think that does influence manufacturers' decisions about where they're going to have things made too. Like if you're Fender and you're going to produce a guitar, you could produce a top-quality guitar in China or you could t- produce that same quality guitar in Korea. But right. you know from a marketing perspective, it's going to be a lot harder for you to market that Chinese guitar because it's going to say made in China on the back of the headstock and there's a stigma associated with that. There is, and and that goes back to a lot of things. You know, I grew up in the uh, so I grew up in the '60s and '70s, and and there was a lot of made in Japan, same type of thing. People were like, "Oh, Japanese car, Japanese motorcycle." It's it's crap. now we're all trying to buy them. <laughs> but they, yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. But they were all trying to buy them. And as J- Japan, the thing that Japan did that America hasn't been doing, and, and Gibson is a prime example of this, unfortunately, in the in the more recent years, is Japan said, "You know what? People are complaining about our build quality." Let's improve it. Uh, so recently I've talked to a lot of people. Um, uh, I have a high school friend who is a lawyer in China and uh, several people, several friends who do uh, not music work, by the way, but do um, uh, work with manufacturing that comes from and to China. And um, the fact is that, that every one of them said the same thing. They'll get away whatever they can cut costs. They will get away with cutting costs. Oh, and, sure. And if that's quality, that's quality. So the fact is that we could we could talk about it even if no matter what, we could talk about quality um, and say, you know what, I got this incredible Epiphone, it's best up. I got a friend that, that plays nothing but Epiphone, but you know he can go in and try a dozen of them and then find the right one. Where if you're going to go yeah. in and try a Gibson, eh, you might be able to get two or three standards in your hand, um, depending on the, on the store. You might be able to get six, but. You're only going to find a couple of good quality. You can find good quality yeah. instruments all the time. We talked about that. It, with it, it sure isn't what it was in the early 2000s uh, when I'd go into a guitar store and they'd have 35 Gibsons. You oh. know? And then it, and then 10 Epiphones. It's like yeah. it's totally the opposite, it's the opposite now. And it's, and it's, it, based, you know, it's based on what people are buying, I mean, basically. That's right. Well, I mean, the, obviously the store isn't going to carry what's not being purchased right and and one of the things that gibson hasn't done very well is looking at that quality and go you know what we really need to hunker down on this i mean that picture of the gibson that went up with a chip in it and then another one 
Come on, who's well, what, doing the photos for these guys? I, I, I'm Is just laughing. Throwing the instruments around? I'm just laughing because Jim's a big Gibson guy, so for him I to am. admit that they have major quality problems is uh, is kind of funny and enlightening. Yeah, but you know, to me, a, a chip in the guitar isn't as important as the overall quality, longevity of that quality, and the sound quality that I get. Sure, sure. I think Gibson's age really well, too. That's the other thing is that, that because they still use nitro on a lot of their guitars, yep. they, they seem to age like the – the way that the nitro sets into the body, it looks great. Uh, it also sounds better. I mean, I, I I can't tell you how many 1980s era Gibsons that though they may not be the best built guitars on earth, still sound really freaking good because of you know that 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 uh, a choice to continue to use nitro. And they wear so well. That's the other side of it. You look at um, as long nitro, as you don't break the headstock. Yeah, except for the. You know what? I've talked to a few people who do um, uh, repair work, and they said. The whole broken headstock is blown out of proportion only because of the fact that usually you can drop a fender from the second story building right. in half the time. But but the other <laughs> thing is, oh, I broke my I broke my neck right in the right in the middle. How many yeah. people? And we're going to talk about um, other people later. Um, how many people have? Oh yeah, my my fender is a I've got a 1964 body and a 1963 neck, or I've got a. You know, yeah, yeah, it's a parts guitar, right? Exactly. And you know what? They're fantastic that way. The problem with Gibson is eh, it's a glued neck. There's the dovetail joint. There's the so now uh, how am I going to replace that? I don't even have a scarf joint to work with when a when a luthier has to rebuild these things. But let me tell you something. Bill, from Billy Gibbons to Gary Rosington, yeah, all these guys they have broken neck, broken headstock Gibsons that they're still using. You know why? Because they still fa- sound freaking fantastic. So yeah, I, who I just it? want to talk uh, to the haters and just say, don't give me any shit when I strap that Les Paul on my neck. I'm 53 <laughs> years old. I have a bad back and I still I just want gonna that say, sound. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, there was somebody and I can't remember who it was and I'm not going to pretend like uh, you pull the name out of my ass here. But uh, there was somebody on Amps and Axis who was talking about how he's bought all his Gibsons with the headstock snapped off. Like yeah. he now he now looks at that looks at that as just a way to discount the price because exactly frankly that the the headstock after it's been reglued is apparently tougher than God, I've never broken one off but apparently that's better for the guitar than to have so I'm just like why doesn't Gibson just snap them off before they give them to you like, <laughs> well that's a scarf back joint. On. I mean let's face yeah. it that is a scarf joint snap right. the you know cut the wood and scarf it and, but you know that I think that's what they create I'm not a luthier. Maybe they do it with magic fairy dust and and um, you know pixie di- pixie things. But all I know is that that you know as you said, what happens is if you've got a broken headstock Gibson and you can uh, you you intend on keeping that guitar, you get thousands of dollars knocked off that thing. You can oh man, I'm gonna buy a a, a Gibson you know standard. How much you pay for it? Eight hundred fifty dollars. I'd have to see the the neck, but I wouldn't hesitate at all to buy a broken headstock Gibson. I mean, I'd have to see the guitar. Yeah, if the if the repairs done, if the repairs done right, if the fretboard's intact, if there's no hump at the, I believe it's the twenty second fret or around. It's not twenty second. It's like the eighteenth fret, because they talk about that too as being a being an issue with a lot of Gibsons is because of the way that the neck the uh, the neck is attached to the body. I guess that they can develop a hump there. Um, but those are all things you would check on a regular guitar too. You're not going to buy a guitar with a jacked up fretboard or no. So. you know, um, uh, somebody was saying the other day. They said uh, 
that a lot of guys they'll pick up the guitar. You know how like a, a, a rifle they'll look down a rifle. Oh they'll, yeah. They'll look down the neck of a guitar and the guy goes, they don't even know what the heck they're looking for. You know, it, do people really know? I do, but do people really know what they're looking for when they're looking down the neck of a guitar? Well, that's why I, I You're always not shooting fret. BBs with it. I always want to check the setup, but I check it by you know the way you're supposed to check neck relief is by pressing the fret down at the first fret, then somewhere else along the guitar, and then looking to see what the difference. Absolutely, is. there's um, a there's a flat fret, a flat point for right. the strings at that point. However, sighting the neck, like down the down the rifle, you know, uh, as as Jim put it, uh, can reveal a neck hump. Yes, um, and, and it can reveal a, a twist. And that's yeah, what that's you're for. that's worth doing, um, especially on an older used instrument. But anyway, that, that's not going to play here. Uh, we're kind of getting off track. I yep. think it's probably time to wrap this whole thing up. That's right. Um, and I want to give my final thoughts, but you can go first, Jim. Oh, I my final thoughts are that I I just want to say that it was. Not only was it professional of Tony to uh, get back with us, I think it was um, it was totally cool. Uh, you know, the Jared Dine camp again. We weren't. I hope that nobody was taking it that we thought that Jared Dines wasn't. Not only is he an excellent guitar player, but that he wasn't a great guy. It's yeah. just that we didn't want. We had to. We have to be the voice of the little guy too. And if we just went out there and said, "Oh, the big guy is always right." This this is what's better, and so on and so forth. Then the little guy never gets a voice. And sure, you know Nichols. He may or may not have done something that was underhanded. He may or may not have been aware. We can't we can't make that judgment. We weren't in his head. But all I want to yeah. say is, guys, don't judge people you don't know. And if you don't know him, you weren't his friend. You weren't. You didn't even. You hadn't heard of him before the day before that. Don't judge him. Let let the facts sit as they are. There's there's Jared's truth, his truth, and somewhere in between is the real truth. And we right. cannot make that decision. That is one that has to be made. All we could do is provide fa- provide facts or or statements from these people that we could all you know kind of read and and take in our own context and start to make decisions and form opinions based on that. But again, it's just an opinion. And uh, as we we've probably learned over the past couple of weeks, uh, opinions are like assholes, and uh, some of them stink. Apparently, ours stink really bad at times. Uh, I'm totally cool admitting that. Uh, but that being said, you know this is a good time for us to step away and kind of remind everybody that this is a podcast. This is for entertainment. This is Jim and I talking about things. And yes, there may be really good information that applies to your playing and what you need. And sure, take that away from us. But realize it's opinion. Like we know that there are more than one way, you know, one way to slice an apple. So anyway, uh, my my final thought on this whole thing is that uh, I I enjoy playing devil's advocate. I think we did a little bit of that here, uh, and I think we exposed some interesting sides of the story. So I'm glad that anybody that tunes in for the second part uh, gets to get the complete uh, the complete uh, de facto case. So yep. All right. Thanks I'm everybody done. for tuning in. We're going to be recording three casts today, so yeah, let's get, three. Yeah, let's get this thing done. Thanks cool. everybody. Thanks.